She's a former Secret Service agent and also author of a book talking about her life in the agency, her service, and how it impacted her personal life. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Calling us from Iowa, we have Melanie Lentz on the phone. Melanie is a former Secret Service agent. She's also an author. I've been on her website, melanielentz.com. That's spelled M-E-L-A-N-I-E-L-E-N-T-Z.com. And I'm going to just give you a little glimpse of some things she's done. Written two books. She's a speaker. She does television. She's blogging. She goes a bad blogging, and she's kind of a fitness freak. Did I cover everything, Melanie? Yeah, I do a, li- a little bit of a lot of things these days. <laughs> nice to talk to you today. It's good to have you here. When I say fitness freak, there was a time I was. People literally go, "You spend a lot of time in the gym." Well, it's been a while, and I have to get back. <laughs> and the older you get, the harder it is. By the way, that's right. Yeah. So I say that with. I said the term of endearment. When someone says they're a fitness freak or they are a gym rat or whatever, I take that as uh, a bit of a, a compliment and because it's so easy to get wrapped up in life and get away from that and become very unhealthy. That's right. Yeah, no, very true. Yeah, I went to school and got my um, master's in kinesiology, so exercise science. Uh, so I wasn't um, anticipating going into the Secret Service, um, but, it, it, you know, life throws us some curveballs, and we got to roll with them. You were in, you, you went to college for physical fitness, basically, before going to Secret Service. Yeah, I um, I started college, of all things, as a music major, so you can tell I was a little bit of a, a lost soul in college. I switched it to kinesiology after the first year and went on to get my master's. So I do I do enjoy um, the fitness aspect of things and just kind of the amazing machine that our body is. It can do a lot of stuff. So I kind of credit my schooling for showing me how to be physically strong, but then I credit the Secret Service for showing me how to be mentally strong. So those two together are a good combo to have, I guess, in life. <laughs> Before we go into your story and what you're doing, you reminded me uh, of a good friend who was killed in the line of duty, and he had a son at the time when, when Billy was shot and killed, his son was probably two or three. And he went to college and became like a, a sports physiology trainer, all that sort of stuff. And then after years of working in the field, he went to the police department. He's a now a Baltimore police officer. And uh, my hat's off to him. And I think that yeah. that really helps because there's a definite connection. And I'm not getting on a soapbox here because I'm not a physical fitness guru. But there's a, a definite connection between physical health, exercise, and mental health. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a correlation between those. And, and just with all the, you know, hormone balances and stuff like that, like the physical fitness is definitely something that has helped me personally um, with my own mental health. You know, life can get away with us in a hurry and inside and outside law enforcement. So I have found that that's a good outlet for me to just kind of decompress. Now, your book, the, the, the first yes. one, what's the name of that book? 
Uh, that book is Agent Innocent, and it's uh, How the Secret Service Changed My Life. That's kind of the memoir, and that's the beauty of memoir is that there's more to my story, which is which is a good thing. Um, I became a Secret Service agent at 22 years old. I was the youngest female agent at the time. In fact, they told me at training I was the youngest female they'd ever hired, so I was definitely a bit of a misfit, so Agent Innocent is the memoir kind of about my experiences, and... Yeah, I, I started out as this gung-ho 22-year-old that was going to go in the Secret Service, and I was you know, trained to be an expert in physical protection at a really young age, and I did that well. I was too stubborn to quit, and unfortunately for me, I developed a lot of bad habits my first year on the job, and very relatable bad habits inside and outside of law enforcement. I ended up becoming this total workaholic. I protected others well and failed to do so in my personal life. So I said yes to work and no to my spouse, my loved ones for a really long time and life will catch up with you. And I, um, my last assignment, so just in summary of my story, my last assignment was with former First Lady Nancy Reagan. And when she passed away in 2016, I was being treated for clinical depression. I was going through a divorce and really kind of hit some low points in my life uh, when she passed away. And shortly after she passed away, I made the very, very difficult decision to leave the job I loved so very much and start over in my 30s. And I realized after the fact, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, how much I had learned about protecting myself by protecting others. And so Agent Innocent is kind of the chronicle of my personal story and the life lessons I learned along the way. And, you know, I'm happy to say I'm, I'm proud to be the woman I am today. And, and I credit a lot of the Secret Service training and those experiences with helping me get where I am today. So, so that's, uh, that's Agent Innocent for you and kind of me in a nutshell, I suppose. That's not such a bad thing either, by the way. I, I've come exactly. to grips that law enforcement, working in the Baltimore Police Department changed me. Uh, sometimes some things for the better and some for the worse. Uh, and there's all things that we saw, which we'll talk about, that we experienced that impact you negatively. So my reaction to those things is pretty normal. And I'm okay with the guy I am today. Uh, jokingly, a lot of people I have on the show that have been in law enforcement or military or whatever it might be, they'll say, you know, I'm damaged goods. But I'm okay with that. And then we laugh and say, yeah, I'm okay with that too because it's part of life. That's exactly. I love it. I love how you just said that. That's Yeah, exactly. I, I'm you not going to be the same guy I was when I was 18. It's just not going to happen. No, and nor do I want to be that person again, you know? I'm, uh, I had to deal with some stuff to be who I was supposed to be uh, in life for sure. So your career in the Secret Service paralleled mine in some ways, and we'll talk about your career uh, when we return from break, but I, I was did like 11 years and a couple months. I got hurt. Uh, I thought I sprained my wrist in, in a very violent situation. Wound up having surgery, a steel plate put in, then two more surgeries. I didn't realize, but I was retired at the age of 33. And all of a sudden, my entire life as I knew it was over and gone. And it's like, now what do you do? Now, what kind of life do you want to have? Because the life I knew was gone. Exactly. No, I relate to that. Definitely some parallels with my story for sure. It is a, it's a, it's a weird thought how your identity can get so wrapped up in your occupation. And I actually have a funny story about the day I turned in my badge and my gun and, and the, my last day as an agent. I had made the decision to leave shortly after Nancy Reagan passed away. 
And um, so I had to go to the field office in Los Angeles because Nancy Reagan was in Los Angeles. So I had to go to the field office and turn everything in. You know, you do your debrief, you give them your credentials, the gun, the badge, all that stuff that I've been carrying around for almost 10 years. And I walked in, did our debrief, and, you know, I thought, I think it was my ego. I thought, oh, they're going to beg me to stay, you know, like, oh, they're going to try to talk me out of it. But they didn't. They said, good luck to you, Melanie. And, you know, so I'm kind of walking to the elevator landing for the first time without my creds, without my BlackBerry, you know, government-issued BlackBerry. And I'm standing in the elevator landing, and this guy comes out into the landing, and he's got his badge and his gun. I don't recognize him. He's young. And he says, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so. Um, you must be one of the new agents coming into the office. I'm new, too. And it's like that gut-punch moment, like I've already been replaced. And it was a really, really pivotal point in my life because I realized, you know, they replaced me at work in a set, hot second. Oh, when I retire, quickly. when I leave. We're going to yeah. take a short break. We are talking with Melanie Lentz, former Secret Service agent and author, and so much more. Don't The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Point of work. We'll be right back. Being switched on is a daily decision, a moment-by-moment choice. The Switched On Life podcast provides life-saving tips to help keep you safe in all aspects of life. Go to Switched On Life to learn more. And remember, stay switched on. Back to our conversation with Melanie Lentz. Melanie is a former Secret Service agent. We'll talk about that because there's a lot of misconceptions about what they do. And I'll be honest with you. I worked in law enforcement. I really don't know what those cats do. They do a lot of things that people don't realize. Before we break, Melanie, and by the way, you also wrote a book. You can get all the details. You wrote two books at MelanieLentz.com. The book is Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life. And you also have another book called Advance Work. Before we end the break, you're talking about the day you left the agency. And when you got in the elevator, there's a brand new agent, introduced himself, and it's like, you must be brand new. And I, I'm judging by your conversation that it sounds like it was a bit of a gut punch for you. It was. In fact, yeah, you know, I had my identity had been Special Agent Melanie Lentz for so many years. And suddenly I wasn't, and suddenly in the moment I ceased to be Special Agent Melanie Lentz, someone else was right there to take my place. And that was a big kind of a grown-up lesson I needed to learn because I had a really hard time with that concept of not being an agent. I had no idea who I was. And I remember when I looked at that guy, I said, I thought, I've already been replaced. You know, it was the most awkward conversation, of course. But I remember walking to my car and I just breaking down, just, what have I done? What am I going to do? You know, I was just a lost person, and it was. I'm I'm very grateful for those lessons that I learned because I had to rebuild a lot of relationships after I left. You know, I like I said, I said yes to work and no to my family for many years. It cost me my marriage. It cost me a lot, and you know, I had to realize what really matters in life. At the end of the day, you have you know you're going to retire and your family's still there, but your you know, workplace will replace you. So it was it was a weird day, as you can imagine. <laughs> they say that when the door shuts, when you're retired, you, you leave, whatever it might be, you're you're obsolete. You you're not even you're them at that point. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I'm listening to you talk, Melanie, and you talk about how you started to 
become dysfunctional in your personal life, your family life suffered, a lot of those other things. It sounds so insightful now. It's easy to see the the progression, the downward progression years beyond that point. But when it's going on, it's a lot harder to see. Right, because, you know, you think about the nature of being a Secret Service agent is that your life is not as important as the person you're protecting. And unfortunately, it's easy to get in that mentality to where, you know, it doesn't matter what's going in my personal life. Or, and I'm sure you can relate to this as being in law enforcement and many other occupations, sometimes you see things at work that are pretty bad. And you see the, the, the real, air quotes, dysfunction of the human race, the ugly parts of the human race. You know, people making threats against the president or you deal with mental illness. You know, maybe somebody has a mental illness that is making threats. Or, you know, just as a, as a street cop, you're seeing some the ugly parts of life. And it becomes really, really easy to minimize what's going on in your personal right. life. Yeah, well, like, the, old oh, saying is, home. the old saying is that if everything around me is horrible, then I look like a prince easily. Easily. Yeah, exactly. Like, why am I so upset about this you know, aspect of my personal life when these children are hurt or these are, this is happening or whatever is happening? And and it's you get very dismissive and I'm and you learn how to turn on a switch when you get to work where you do the job and you get it done and then you go home but it's easy to leave that switch on and it's really easy to just turn off your emotions and just go through the motions of life and eventually just like a well oiled you know a machine you have to keep maintaining it and when you don't it's going to gunk up and seize up and that is the perfect description of my personal life after a few years of those habits. So you said you wound up going through divorce. You wound up with depression and other, uh, I hate the term mental illness because I think that right away people think of schizophrenia and all these other things. And we talk about depression and you talk about stress-related, trauma-related. It's more of an injury in my opinion. Right. And you know what? I was in of the same mindset. I was married to a police officer And so we had opposite schedules for a lot of the time. So I think some of the stuff we were dealing with was the same stuff, and we were just dealing it with the same way, just kind of pushing it aside. But when it came to me realizing I I was getting really depressed, a lot of it just circumstantial, just life was, was crashing in on me. And you know how when you get hired at a job, a lot of places will have or they'll give you a pamphlet that says, you know, we have an employee assistance program or some variation of that. And if you ever need help, you know, you call this number and we'll get you help. And you think when you get hired, it'll never apply to me. You know, it's not, I'm not going to be that person. I've got it together. Well, I came to, a, you know, a point of desperation where I realized I am, I am just, I'm devastated. My life is falling apart. And I called that number. And, you know, the Secret Service has its own problems. You know, we read in the news, there's, you know, it's a lot of negative stuff or morale or whatever. But one thing the Secret Service did very right was having the people that they hired at the Employee Assistance Program because I expected to be met with a lot of judgment because, you know, in law enforcement, you can't have these problems. You can't be depressed. You know, you're going through a divorce and not handling it well. But you know what? Within 24, 48 hours of me calling that number, they had somebody ready to talk to me, uh, you know, a family therapist. And I was, I was just blown away because they said, the doctor I spoke with at the Secret Service, you know, Employee Assistance Program, she said, Melanie, the divorce rate amongst agents is almost 80%. That's a lot. She was like, you guys deal with a lot on your daily life. Do you think you're the only person in law enforcement that is dealing with this kind of stuff? You're not. 
And it is better to ask for help and deal with it than just suppress it the way you've been doing. You're doing the right thing, and I applaud you. And, you know, that was like that reassurance that I needed. But prior to that, I had been working um, the protective intelligence, we call it cases, where you work the threats against the protectees, you know, president, vice president. And a lot of that is dealing with mental illness. Yes. So my exposure to mental illness was the schizophrenics writing the letters to the White House people that are very, very sick. And so I was very naive about mental illness and very judgmental, to be really honest, at first. And then it hits you personally, and then you realize that you're right. It is A lot of it is very injury-related, and it's, there's such a stigma to it. But just owning it and dealing with it, and I found that talking about it helps other people, too, is that, you know, life happens, and you get down about it, and sometimes you need to ask for help. And that was my strongest moment as a woman, I think, was just saying, I need help. I need to talk to somebody. Because from then, help came and healing started. And so, you know, I'm happy to say that my story does have that happy ending in that I had to hit some low points and ask for help. And that was was the start to a a better path for me in life, for sure. We're talking with Melanie Lentz. Melanie is a former Secret Service agent. She's the author of the book, Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life, and also the book, Advanced Work. She does media appearances, television, radio, podcast. She's a blogger. She's a bit of a fitness expert as well. When we return to the Law Enforcement Today show, we're going to talk about different aspects of what Secret Service does, uh, the protection, how that training affected her, how that training impacted her personal life, and much more. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. This is Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Melanie Lentz on the Law Enforcement Today show, former Secret Service agent. By the way, thank you for your service. But go to website, MelanieLentz.com, author of the book, Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life, and the book, Advanced Work, and so much more. Going back in your story, Melanie, you, you talked about being in college, changing your major a couple times, and then deciding at 21, 22, you want to go become a Secret Service agent. Was your family shocked that you made that decision? Uh, kind of. It's actually a funny story how that came about. I was in grad school thinking I was going to go the fitness route because I was getting my degree in exercise science. And my grandpa, of all things, uh, of all people, he was a a former Army Airborne guy. And his best buddies had a daughter who was an agent. 
And so, you know, her dad was always sharing the cool stories about all the adventures his daughter was having. And I was 21 at the time, and my grandpa was like, Mel, you know, you might be good at that. I was like, Grandpa, I wasn't in the military or law enforcement. Like, what do I have to offer? I mean, come on. And he just said, well, apply. What's the worst they can do? Say no. And uh, so I did. I filled out the application, and I thought, oh, it would be a cool job to have, you know. That's, you know, see the TV. I watched a lot of TV, so I thought, oh, this is a really cool job. I did not expect to hear from them. And they did. They called me to take the written test. You know, there's a, the application process is quite long. So the first written test, I barely passed the written test because I didn't know anything about law enforcement in general or how to respond to things. Um, and then I passed the initial interview, and it was at that point that I realized, like, I need to figure out what I do have to offer because I'm a young female. Secret Service agents are 90% men. So I'm already a, kind of an outlier. And then coupled with my age, I'm a double whammy, you know, of underdog over here. So I had to figure out what did I have to offer. And for me, I realized, you know what, I have, I'm so stubborn. I'm not a quitter. I am, you know, I was a good student. I'm, I'm physically fit. Like I can handle the physical challenges. I know I can. You know, I just, they need to teach me. So my approach to the application process was, What's the point of training if you're not going to teach me everything I need to know? If I was expected to know everything going in, then what's the point? Right. I am here, I'm ready, I'm gung-ho, and I'm going to do it. And, you know, gulp that. They, they, uh, they, they bought it. So, you know, you go through the polygraphs and the physical and all that stuff, and don't lie in your polygraph. And, you know, I ended up getting a call right after, um, in the summer of 2007, I was 22 years old, and we had a landline still at the house at the time, and the boss in the Los Angeles field office called me and said, Melanie, we have an opening in the Los Angeles field office. Do you want it? And you leave in three weeks if so. So, gulp, my life changed with that phone call. <laughs> How was the training? That was like barrack style you lived in? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the Secret Service training has two academies. The first academy I went through was in Georgia, and it was at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, and that was about 12 weeks. And so that is general federal law enforcement training, and so it's not just Secret Service there. So my academy class was half ICE agent trainees and half Secret Service trainees. So we learned all the basics of investigating federal law, so the federal stuff. Once we passed that, then we spent another 18 weeks in Maryland, um, at the Secret Service Pacific Academy, the Rowley Training Center. And we're, that is where we take everything we learned in Georgia and then we apply it to the Secret Service missions, which are twofold, actually. A lot of people don't know we have a dual mission, protection and investigation. The, the Secret Service was originally started to, counterfeit, uh, to combat counterfeit currency right. back in the, Link, the Lincoln era. It wasn't something that was established to protect the president at the time. That came much later. So uh, we still investigate counterfeit currency and financial crime, as well as threats against the protectees, the people we protect, and then you protect, physically protect those people. So the second academy was very specific to protection and those specific kinds of investigations. So you had to pass both academies to become a special agent there. If my memory is correct, and it oftentimes is not, when it comes to federal law enforcement, the Secret Service and the U.S. Marshals are the oldest agencies, and a lot of other ones stem from them. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yes, I believe you were correct there. I know the FBI stemmed from the Secret Service back in the day. So, yeah, they are very old entities, old law enforcement entities. So here you are. You're 22. 
And quite frankly, and to be totally honest, you defy a lot of stereotypes, which I love. I'm an Irish Catholic. I didn't come from a law enforcement family, but I fit a lot of the stereotypes that you have when you talk about law enforcement. Now, on the other side, we've got people like you, and there are a lot of people like you in, in city policing and federal, but a lot of people don't know that our agents, our federal law enforcement, our local law enforcement comes from every walk of life you can imagine. That's right. Yeah. I would say from my academy class, we'd have some law enforcement or military background, but not everyone, um, which is kind of amazing that the mission happens and you accomplish everything because you all have something else to offer. Like, for instance, with me, I was so young, and I went through the same training, so I had to pass all the same stuff as these guys did. I had to practice a lot more um, than they did. You know, they'd handcuffed people before. I hadn't. So there was a learning curve for sure. But when you get out of training, I mean, if you think about it, I, w- I was 23 by the time I got to the, my field office assignment, and I looked about 17. Yeah. So who do you think they called when they needed somebody to go on surveillance with them? Me. The, the young person. I, yeah. Yep. The one who doesn't look like a cop. I I said in an earlier interview, I've always looked like a cop since I was a teenager. I still do. And I'll probably be the 85-year-old guy with a walker that goes, there's the Vivo right there. Be quiet. (laughs) I'll always look that way. And you, on the other hand, do not. So uh, there's advantages to that, and there's disadvantages. In, In local law enforcement, when we had young female officers Quite often, they want to do an undercover work, whether it be um, posing as uh, the stripper or on drug buys or whatever it might be. For the feds, in particular Secret Service, your mission's a little bit different. You didn't have that aspect, did you? Uh, no, not so much, but we did have, I have a funny story about a counterfeit investigation I helped out with. This was out in Los Angeles, and there was this new, they call them counterfeit if you want to sound, sound all sophisticated, a counterfeit note that was really, really good that had been circulating around. And it was so good that it was passing the casinos in Vegas, their slot machines, and they're known to have some of the greatest counterfeit detection. Well, our surveillance ended up going from Los Angeles, and we drove all the way to Vegas following these guys. So when we got to Vegas, we still had to follow the people that were passing this counterfeit. I, uh, I would go into the casino to follow the guys that were passing this counterfeit within the casino, and the security at the casino kept stopping me because they said I looked too young to be in a casino and asked where my parents were. So I got teased relentlessly by all the guys on my shift because every time I went into work for my surveillance shift, I had to go to the security desk to get a wristband so that they would leave me alone so I could do my job. So, you know, funny stuff, like just those little funny moments that you have when you are, when you don't fit this mold that, you know, they have. And it's great that you didn't and you don't because... Quite funny, there's a big part of what this show's about. So many people have no concept really what it is. For example, I didn't know, and I worked in law enforcement. I didn't know, and I worked in Baltimore outside of D.C., that the Secret Service had a uniform division until I met a guy who retired as a motorcycle cop, and they drove year-round in D.C. in the wintertime with a sidecar. And I'm like, I'm not going to say his name. You guys are out of your minds. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, the Secret Service does have a uniform division, and they 
they are the crew that if you go to, say, a campaign event or a presidential speech, they uh, run all the magnetometers, so they're screening people coming in. And they also are responsible for security around the White House as well and the vice president's residence and such. So there's an agent and a uniform division, and we all work together to kind of get the job done. There's so many things, so many little tweaks and things about the Secret Service that a lot of people don't know about. Before we go to break, I, I worked a presidential visit in Baltimore. Uh, I believe it was President Reagan at the time. And one of the instructions we were given is that we had to face the crowd and not the parade route. Uh, that's for a reason. And I'd laugh when I people, see people making commentary about that on social media. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. For a short break, we'll be right back. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. On Twitter, follow L-E-T Radio Show P-O-1. On Instagram, follow L-E-T Radio Show Podcast. Again, our website is letradioshow.com. Hope to see you online soon. Back to our conversation with Melanie Lentz, former Secret Service agent on the Law Enforcement Today show, also author of the book titled Agent Innocent, How the Secret Service Changed My Life, and also the book Advanced Work. Go online to our website, MelanieLentz.com. For winter break, and a lot of people are making comments in social media, the latest election inauguration, they had the National Guard facing away from Proud Road. They thought they were making a political statement, and I wanted to correct people so badly. I don't do that on social media anymore. We were trained as a uniform police when President Reagan showed up that we had to keep our backs to the parade route and watch the crowd. And that's what everybody did. So it wasn't a political statement, correct? We're correct. Yeah, no, that's how exactly how we were trained. You know, um, when I was at training, uh, it was when uh, George W. Bush was president, and it was the first time I'd seen the president. He came to ride his uh, mountain bike on our training center ground. And my whole academy class, of course, were like gawking, like, you know, groupies looking at the president. And they said, they told us at training, what are you doing? They said, what good are you doing if you're just staring at him the whole time? You're supposed to be learning to protect him. Look around, look away. And you're supposed to stop anything from coming to him. So that was kind of a good learning point is that, yeah, exactly. You're not trained to stare at that person. You're trained to watch the crowd and watch the people. Your head on a swivel, as they say. For most of us, we don't really get to see assassination attempts. And that's part of the job. It may not be one that happens often, but we did see it when President Reagan was shot in D.C. And the, the Secret Service agents, they are trained to throw themselves in front of the bullet. And that's what they did that day, and that's what they do every day. And I don't think people really comprehend, A, that you don't have the time to think about it, so it becomes a matter of relying on your training, and B, right. the impact of what that does to you. Exactly, yeah. They um, trained at training to do the exact opposite of what would come naturally when gunshots are fired and that sort of thing. Um, 
the agent Tim McCarthy, he's one of the agents that was shot when President Reagan was shot. I got to meet him at one point, and you know, he's just a, it's just one of those people that you know when it came down to it, he did what he was trained to do. Yeah, it's a it's a different mindset, and it's not an easy one. You have to you have to train yourself to do that, and that's why you go to training for eight months. You know. Well, earlier in the conversation, you said that. And I'm going to paraphrase. You spend your career protecting other people and putting their needs and their safety first, and you disregard yours. And that had an impact on you and a negative impact. Exactly. Right. I Like I said earlier, I said yes to work and no to my family. Somebody else's schedule and their routine was more important than protecting what I had at home. And, you know, yes, being an agent is a demanding job. There are plenty of jobs out there where you'll miss some major holidays and you'll miss some birthdays and you'll miss some things in life just due to the nature of the job. But where I went wrong was that when I had opportunities to say no, say, hey, there was a trip and they were asking for volunteers. I didn't have to volunteer, but I would do it all the time when I could have said, you know, there are plenty of other volunteers. I could have had a weekend at home to spend with my spouse because maybe he was off as well. And that will catch up with you. And, and you know, my, my marriage had a lot of problems in general. And I think it's kind of a human nature thing to go where you feel most validated, you know, and, and just to keep it real. I felt I worked really hard at work. I had developed a good reputation after a little while, kind of proved myself as being a team player and a hard worker, that I felt validated at work, but my home life was a wreck. And you start avoiding being home. And and I regret that. I live with a lot of regret for the way I handled a lot of things in my personal life. But it is very easy to get caught up in, in, in work in general and like I, like I said before, they'll replace you in a hot second, but I had to crash and burn to learn that the hard way, and I know that that's a very relatable thing. The whole work-life balance is nothing new in the world. We all deal with it in our own ways, and I, I'm kind of lucky, I think, because, you know, you walk away from things, and you walk away from with a lot of regret. You know, I left the Secret Service. I was depressed. I was going, you know, mid-divorce, all that good stuff, and you know, when I look back, I realize I was handed a gift with a giant bow on it. And that was the Secret Service and the stuff I learned and the protection aspects that were so applicable in my personal life. I remember when I went to Nancy Reagan's detail, I did not want to go there. I wanted to go to D.C. and do the big protection stuff. But my marriage was in trouble. And I was married to a police officer who was local to Los Angeles County. So moving would have been harder. So going to Nancy Reagan's detail was kind of a career suicide move, to be really honest. You know, it was a small detail. She was in her 90s. And I was very bitter about going there. And But I realized I went to a place where everyone else on Nancy Reagan's detail had made that decision for the betterment of their families. So if I had gone to D.C., the advice I would have been given was very career-driven, always job-related, and your personal life can wait. But instead, I am so blessed to say I walked into an environment at a really low point in my life where I received good, sound advice to remember what really matters in the long run. Unfortunately, it was too little too late for my my marriage, but it wasn't too late for me, and I could start over. And so, like I said, I was getting help with being really depressed and being open about it. And then Nancy Reagan passed away. When she passed away, I was the agent that was in the embalming room. And I got to be one of the pallbearers at her family funeral. And if those things won't make you contemplate your life a whole lot, I don't know what will. But I remember standing at her funeral, 
I was in the back of the room by the press riser, and they were talking about her legacy of love and how fiercely she loved. And regardless of political opinions or scandals or what have you, her, she had a legacy that was overwhelmingly positive in the way she fiercely loved. They read, you know, the, the speakers talked about her, her marriage and things she had done to, you know, stand up for her husband, etc. But I remember thinking in the back of that room, I don't like who I'm becoming. Like, what, what has happened to me? This person that would, really wanted to live a meaningful life, the 22-year-old who let the haters hate and prove people wrong and became a secret service agent at such a young age, you know, what, where did I go wrong? That, that question we never want to have to ask ourselves. And it was in that moment that I realized my legacy is not one of love. My legacy is anger and grief and depression and workaholic nature. And that her death was definitely a catalyst to big changes because... When I ended up leaving, I hit rock bottom about a week after I left. I, uh, you know, I had a, a near, you know, got to some, my, talked myself into some really dark places. Luckily, I didn't do anything uh, stupid that ter- one night, but I, um, I ended up having to build up from the ground up, and I've taken away a lot of the things about protection that I applied. Like, protection is all about access control, right, with your protectees, the people... Um, it's this fine, delicate balance when you're a Secret Service agent of determining who needs access granted, who needs access denied, limited perhaps, or even revoked. You know, if you throw a shoe at somebody, your access is going to get revoked, or maybe you're going to mic up the president for an interview. You just need limited access. You know, it's that balance of protection. Right. But where I went wrong was in my personal life. I gave access to work 100% of the time, and I denied access to my family. I was not open to positive access, and when I hit rock bottom, I shut everyone out. I just revoked access to everyone. And I've kind of taken that stance in my personal life is trying to accurately recognize when I, A, need to get help again, like give yourself a little situation report like we had to do in the motorcade, but also determine, like, am I, is my access up. Do I need to look for some more positive access, and am I revoking access to people I shouldn't? And that's one of the big life lessons that I think has helped me today. I ended up, uh, <laughs> after I left, about a year after I my family had moved out to Iowa, where I'm at today, I literally, the most uncharacteristic thing I've done is I sold almost everything I owned, the house, uh, I sold my car, I rented a car, piled the dogs and whatever I could fit in the car, and I drove straight from Southern California all the way to Iowa, and, you know, that very humble knock on your parents' door and say, I don't, I didn't know what else to do, you know, showing up at my parents' door. Here you are. The nice part Uh about this, Melanie, is it's all, it's a life you want from here on out. Yep, exactly. And I, I, I rebuild from the ground up, and you know, it was the best thing I could do, the most humbling thing I could do to show up and just say, I'm a mess, I, and rebuild those relationships. But you know what? I walk away with so much gratitude towards those experiences I went through and the things that I learned uniquely at such a, uh, at a young age that are so applicable to real life. And I've enjoyed being able to talk and write about them and share my story because I found that talking about it is relatable. What I went through is no different, this work-life balance stuff. I just kind of had a unique circumstance where I learned these lessons. And so so it's been been a huge blessing to be able to help others and to share the story and and write the book. get more information at our website, MelanieLentz.com. Melanie, thanks so much for being a guest on the show, telling your story. It's very much appreciated. Um, Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.